So we have traveled a long way following where God leads in the last five weeks. We started out with Abraham and Sarah in Hebron, to Moses in Midian, to Naomi and Ruth in Moab, to the story of the prodigal sons, plural, in the Gospel of Luke, to Paul's last epistle in the Bible, which was written to Timothy. We have indeed traveled a long way. Thank you for the journey. And next Sunday, we'll conclude our series with Transfiguration of Jesus. Good place to end. It is, after all, Transfiguration Sunday, next Sunday. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. I don't know about you, but I read uh, quite a few of obituaries, not for pleasure, but most of the time because I have to, to prepare for memorial, memorial services. What I love about obituaries is that they give us a snapshot of the person's life. Obituaries tell us what was really important about that person and how they want to be remembered. So here are some headlines from the obituaries of famous people over the years, and I want you to guess who they are. Titan of boxing in the 20th century, Muhammad Ali, a star idolized and haunted, Michael Jackson, the best kind of troublemaker, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the great figure who embodied man's will to resist tyranny, Winston Churchill, evangelist to the world, Billy Graham, hope of the despairing, Mother Teresa. He died on purpose to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. No one famous, really. And someone who died in the summer of 2016, his children wrote that just kind of to be funny. I'm sure we all know someone like that, even if it's not him. So, of course, reading all of those obituaries made me wonder what word or words people would use to describe my life or how I would be remembered by others. What about you? What do you think people would say about your life? In today's selected passages from 2 Timothy, we see Paul's encouragement to his young protege, Timothy. This is the very last letter that Paul wrote as he awaited his execution in a Roman prison cell around 64 CE. Paul is at the end of his ministry, at the end of his life, 
penning final words to Timothy, his young disciple, a young pastor. In this way, 2 Timothy brings us to the brink of death, forcing us to consider its reality and how we might react when faced with death. Paul mentions Timothy's grandmother and mother, Lois and Eunice and how they grounded Timothy in the faith. Those two ladies passed down their legacy of faith to Timothy, and Paul continues by saying, for this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. For this reason. In other words, because Timothy has inherited the legacy of faith from his grandmother and mother, Timothy can now rekindle the gift of God and freely exercise the spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. What faith have you inherited? that will allow you to rekindle the gift of God. We often say that faith is caught rather than taught. That certainly was the case with me. I cannot read this Timothy passage without thinking about my 85-year-old grandmother. And I know Pastor Edwin shared with children his grandmother and his great-grandmother as well. Was it great-grandmother? No, no, a grandmother on both the mother's side and the father's side, sorry. (laughs) And so we have our grandmothers and maybe great-grandmothers as well who have passed down their great faith unto us. My parents left for America a year and a half before me and my four older sisters, and so we were left in the care of my grandma, who was 85 years old at the time, for about a year and a half. I was the youngest of five children and I was eight years old. And I still remember coming home from school and seeing my grandma, she'd be doing one or two, one of the two things, either reading her Bible or singing hymns. And I joined her in singing hymns. We would sing until it was time for dinner. We would sing hymns. Even to this day, hymns sung in English, they don't move me as much as hymns that are sung in Korean. And of course, I also grew up with my mother who would pray over us and pray for others as she was a deacon in her church. And so I would grow up with the prayers of my mom and prayers of my grandmother and the Bible reading and hymn singing and we'd go to church and we'd be singing hymns. And all of those memories have stayed with me and have built me up in faith. And then there was my uncle who would come to our house every week to help us memorize Bible verses, Psalm 23, Psalm 119, Psalm 139, 1 Corinthians 13, John 15. We would memorize them by chunks, by chapters, and he would grade us, and he would give us prizes, and it was so much fun. 
growing up in that kind of environment, faith for me was much more caught than taught. And they have passed down a great legacy of faith unto me. And I wonder who are your Loises and Eunices? Who are the people who have passed down their faith unto you? Maybe your faith was caught in your households through your grandma or your mom or your uncle. Or maybe it was taught by your other households, the church, by your Sunday school teachers or youth pastors. Whatever it may have been, I'd love for you to go back and explore your origin, identity, and roots of faith because that will allow you to rekindle the gift of God which will make you bold and claim and act upon the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Now that you have received this faith, how will you leave your legacy of faith behind? You know, I thought about how my two children, now 19 and 20, thought about how their faith looks different, very different from mine. They didn't grow up with singing hymns in Korean or memorizing Bible verses in Korean. They did, grow up, they, they did grow up in the church, and I know they have some form of faith, but my faith that I grew up with isn't necessarily their faith. And I say this because I know that there are some of you out there whose children have grown up in the church but have gone on to college and have gotten married and have not returned to church yet. And you may feel that that legacy of faith never got passed down to them. But I don't think our faith gets passed down in the way that we think it should. Let's take a look at how bamboo trees grow. Yes, bamboo trees. You dig up the soil and make sure it's good soil, and then you plant the bamboo seed. You then faithfully water it every day. After three months, guess what starts to happen? Nothing. <laughs> you see absolutely nothing happening. So you keep watering it and watering it, but you continue to see nothing happening for one year, then two years, then three years, and do you know what happens after three years? Nothing. You see absolutely nothing. But what you don't see happening is what is taking place beneath the surface. Beneath the surface, a massive, dense foundation of roots is spreading out all throughout the ground to prepare for the rapid growth that the bamboo will experience. So you keep watering it and watering it and eventually... After five years, I've seen nothing happening at all above the surface. The bamboo tree shoots up to over 90 feet tall in just six weeks. And the bamboo tree that shoots up might not even be your own children. It might be your neighbor 
or your friend from high school or your Sunday school students. You never know what is happening beneath the surface and how the roots are spreading out over days, months, and years to create the connection and community that are needed for faith to grow and flourish in the lives of those you touch. God may have led Lois and Eunice to raise up Timothy in faith in their household, but God led Timothy to become a pastor so that he can raise up an entire community of faith in the household of God. Rekindle the gift of God and live into the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul also goes on to say, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we think our faith needs to be wild and exciting, and sometimes it is, But if it isn't, we feel like we're not living the Christian life, or at least not the kind that can leave a legacy. But Paul says, hold on. Hold fast to what you know and keep at it. In 2004, nine hospitals in Michigan began implementing a new procedure in their intensive care units. Almost overnight, healthcare professionals were stunned with its success. Three months after it began, the procedure had cut the infection rate of ICU patients by 66%. Within 18 months, This one method had saved $75 million in health care expenses. Best of all, this single intervention saved the lives of more than 1,500 people in just a year and a half. I feel like one of those videos where it just keeps going and says, this one method, and then at the end it doesn't actually tell you unless you click on something. Well, I'm going to tell you. Don't worry. Do you know what that procedure was? It was a simple checklist consisting of five very basic items, with the first one being wash your hands with soap. You might say, well, everybody already knows that. But that's not the same thing as everybody always does that, is it? Continue doing what you have learned and firmly believed about the power of Christ's love and resurrection and the power to transform the lives of people, including yours. I cannot end a sermon on leaving a legacy of faith without talking about Bill Robinson, one of the pillars of the church who join the church triumphant last Tuesday. He taught Bible study for over 70 years and three generations of confirmation classes at our church. He never married and had 
no biological children of his own to pass down his legacy of faith. Yet everyone who knew him would wholeheartedly agree that he had taught the word of God to thousands of people and lived a life of commitment to growing people's faith and introducing them to Jesus. His legacy of faith was great indeed. When I received the news of his passing on Tuesday afternoon, almost immediately, I heard this ringing in my ear. Well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, I group texted those who were praying for Bill with the news of his passing by saying, we can hear Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Even at the session meeting that evening, I shared the same message, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. All night long, that line kept ringing in my ear, well done, good and faithful servant. The next morning, I was forwarded at Bill's obituary, which he had written himself a couple years back, along with a very specific set of instructions for his memorial service. He had been ready for quite some time. With a broken heart, I started to read his obituary. It made me smile and cry at the same time as I read about his life and what was important to him and all his accomplishments, which there were many. And then I came to the very last sentence of his obituary, and I almost fell out of my chair. It read, and this is Bill talking about himself in third person, it read, his hope was when meeting his Lord, he will hear well done, good and faithful servant. It was a full-on God moment for me with heaven opening up and angels singing. There was no denying that God was present right in that place. And I realized it's not about what will people say about me when I die? It's not about what will people say, but it's what would I hear Jesus saying to me when I enter into his presence? How have I been a faithful witness to scripture that is inspired word of God? How has my life pointed to Jesus? What would people say about what I said about Jesus? Would my last words be, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, what about you? What would you like your legacy of faith to be? What would Jesus say to you? What would, what would you like for Jesus to say to you? 
I hope and pray that we may live our lives in such a way so others can hear the voice of Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.